Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life, with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resource podcast. My name is Brenda, and I am here to share with you the what and how in human resources. And before I really get into this episode, this is, an, this is a landmark episode, so I'm really excited that you guys are here. We've had a little bit of a shift. Um, initially, we were going to have Michael Copon on. Um, who is the actor that portrayed the Blue Power Ranger in the 2002-2004 Power Rangers uh, Time Force series. He is a prolific CEO. We've actually put that on hold just slightly, um, mainly because we were having some technical issues. And in addition to that, um, with everything that's going on with the coronavirus, it's just right now is the perfect time to start talking about it. And a lot of people are looking for questions and answers, and and that's exactly what we're going to do today. So Michael will be joining us. Um, It's an awesome, epic uh, interview, and I love that guy to death. And if you have never been part of this podcast before and if you've never learned, welcome to the show. This is a lot of fun. Um, This is all about giving you guys the practical experience and practical information as to what to do when it comes to dealing with people issues in the workplace. And if you guys are coming back, thank you. Oh my gosh, you guys are just amazing. Uh, you know, I see the audience grow and uh, through the analytics and it's just absolutely awesome. And you know what, <clears throat> you guys are great. And I really, truly, really appreciate the support. So thank you very much. And um, we got all sorts of good stuff coming up. Matter of fact, this podcast is up for uh, the Stevie's American Business Award and the Stevie's International Business Award. And that could not have been possible without uh, you guys uh, paying attention and listening and joining me time and time again. So really, thank you so very much for that. All right, so let's get at it. So that means uh, everything that I talk about means that I'm in the human business. And what happens with that, there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace that it makes it challenging for employers to find that balance and how to manage it. So today we're going to talk about, um, I really don't have, normally we talk about employment law changes across the nation. I really don't have anything for you guys, but later I'm going to share with you where you can find them as they come available week after week. Um, our main topic today is what to do, what to do with the coronavirus in the workplace. <clears throat> That's what we're going to be chatting about. We've got an HR question of the day. I'm going to talk to you about some upcoming events and how to get my best practices delivered right to your inbox. Uh, but before I go on, just know that the information available in this podcast is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to any particular issue. And if you do not have an employment attorney, you may go ahead and contact us and I might be able to go ahead and refer you to one through our affiliate program and our friends over at Jackson Lewis. 
big question on everybody's mind right now is what to do if the coronavirus shows up to work. And I think you guys need to be in the mindset of this is not a matter of if, and it's, it's a matter of when. And the coronavirus is setting a new bar for employers. It's unprecedented and everything is uncertain. But the more that we actually continue to get information that's coming into us from places like the World Health Organization and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, you know, we're learning new information. And so there's a lot of people that have questions as to what to do. And it is testing our ability to, to, to really address and protect our employees and our companies from this pandemic and the uncertainty. So before I really get into the heart of the matter, what I want to really make sure that people understand that it's okay to be concerned about this. As a matter of fact, it's warranted because it's creepy and it's scary and none of us really know exactly what's going on. We're learning all sorts of new information. The media really honestly is not helping <clears throat> because they are driving fear into people. And then we also saw all the events that took place last week with the stock market. Well, that's since is starting to recover. And, and remember, what goes up must come down and, there's, and what is down must always come back up. That's Brenda's physics law <laughs> right there, especially when it comes to the market. So, you know, with, uh, with 3,000 reported deaths since the virus was announced, U.S. businesses are really asking that question as to what do we do if it shows up at work? And really it starts with addressing how it's passed around. Now, it's passed around through fluid. So if somebody who's a carrier of the virus, and you can be a carrier and actually not actually have this. If you sneeze or if you cough, those little micro pellets that come out of you are what carries the virus from person to person. So what it really comes down to the most is that there's good etiquette that is used. That means that if you sneeze or you cough, you cover your mouth with something that hopefully will absorb it. And, um, or if you cough into your hand, <clears throat> you go wash your hands right away. That is the biggest thing on how to prevent the spread of this. Unfortunately, <laughs> we don't have people that do that all the time. So, um, so what do you do? So as an employer, one of the things that you guys really need to do is adjust your mindset. You really need to adapt to some significant changes. And one of those things is going to be expect and put yourself in the mindset that you're going to be dealing with long-term absences. With the nature of this virus, this is what you're going to need to get your mind into and wrapped around because you don't want to have your employees coming back to work if they are with a fever or if they have any type of respiratory issue. Okay, So get into that mindset. Not to mention, you have to remember that we've got people coming in and out of the country all the time, and right now everything is a 14-day quarantine in their own home. Well, if somebody is married or they have a family, that also means that those 14 days now applies to people that are living and residing in that household. So this is just this is just part of the landscape. And so that makes other issues kind of challenging as well, right? So what happens is that these employees are coming and looking to you guys for the answers. They're, they're looking for partnership. They're looking for compassion. They're looking for leniency. They're looking for understanding. Okay. So one of the things that you guys can do, and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but 
you guys can go ahead and implement what's called a, a non-pharmaceutical intervention, which is also known as an MPI. <clears throat> and what that does is uh, it also is also called co uh, community mitigation strategy. You can encourage your employees to stay healthy. Okay, that's one of the biggest ones. Encourage your employees to cover their mouth when they're coughing or sneezing. We just talked about that a second ago. If they are sick, you make them stay home. <laughs> I'm sorry, don't let them come in. And you know, this is really hard because you're going to have production issues that you're going to have to deal with of, of some nature, all right? But if they are sick, they stay home. And the biggest thing is that they wash their hands with soap and water, all right? Also, other practices that you could incorporate is in the cleaning service of your organization is to go ahead and make sure that frequently touched surfaces and objects are cleaned on a regular basis. And this is things like doorknobs, countertops, um, you know, the handles on, on the commode and the, you know, the faucet handles and just the things that people wouldn't necessarily think of the paper you know if you have paper towel dispensers you know the buttons and the knobs that dispense it those all should be clean so those are something that you guys want to do too is you know definitely talk to your um, talk to your cleaning company to be able to say hey listen we need to make sure that these things are are up to speed and up to snuff okay <clears throat> that they are constantly being cleaned develop a strong communications plan Okay, that's going to be very critical. You need to communicate to your employees. All right, start sharing over, you know, some form of overview, overview and key elements of the plan with your employees. So if you guys have a plan in place, so let's say for example, your entire organization gets impacted, and and I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to pause for a second. I actually have been a participant. Um, I want to say a participant. That's probably not the right word, but I've been in a company to where literally 75% of our accounting team was hit by the flu and 75% of the accounting team was actually not at work. And this is a Fortune 500 company. And it, it really knocked out the entire department. <clears throat> I wouldn't say it crippled the organization, but it definitely made things really difficult to get stuff paid out on time. So, um, you know, those things do happen. And if you're in an organization to where um, you could have a large number of people that are absent, then you guys have to come up with contingency plans. You'll have to probably pay out some overtime and you'll have to look at how can some of these employees take their work home with them and how do we also protect the best interests of the company. So these are really stringent challenges that you all are going to have to think of. So if you have an accounting department that is heavily reliant on paper and not and you still have companies that do, right? Um, you're going to figure out how to, you know, if your accountants go out or your bookkeepers, what do you do? You have to really look at that and figure out how are we going to, how are we going to move through this and how are we going to mitigate as much loss as possible, okay? Uh, like I said, be prepared for long-term absences, which means that you're also going to have to stretch your attendancy and sick leave policies. You're going to have to take a look at now if you've got a policy to where if somebody is absent for three days, then they get some sort of negative mark or, you know, they get a point or something. Because there's some companies that do a point system out there as their policy. This is unprecedented and you're going to have to have leniency and latitude on this. Particularly, let's say, for example, an employee has a child who's developed uh, symptoms of the coronavirus and needs to stay home and take care of their child. 
well, it's not their absenteeism, but they're also going to need to be, you know, dealing with that, and they could become a carrier. And therefore, you get they're in quarantine as well as the same time as they're dealing with their with their sick family, right? So it gets very, it's going to get very, very complicated, very complicated, all right? So be prepared to stretch your attendance and sick leave policy. Um, identify a room in your facility so where if somebody all of a sudden if their health goes south because that's one of the symptoms of the coronavirus they can have sneezes and coughs and stuff like that but if it starts building while they're at work and all of a sudden their health goes south identify a room where you can isolate that employee until medical assistance arrives and they can be properly transported now some hospitals in major metropolitan areas are actually starting to build an isolation unit and that's the, my words not theirs but basically what it is is it's a place to where if somebody is suspected of having the coronavirus call ahead to the hospital notify the hospital to give you directions to not go into the emergency room if they have this unit placed up and they'll tell you exactly where to go also when you if somebody if you have to call dispatch 911 for it, also let them know that they suspect that the coronavirus is part of this and then you know, EMS actually has processes and procedures or should by this point in order to go ahead and uh, prepare for something like that. And then, you know, if, if you have to, as part of your communication plans, you know, use a alert-wide system, right? Don't always rely on email because a lot of your employees, if they're hourly employees, likely they don't have access to email after hours. And so having some form of alert system to where your employees are texted they receive a text message um, will also help save and, and be part of your communications plans. Now you're probably thinking, haha, good point, Brenda, hourly employees. What do we do with hourly employees? So I have been paying very close attention to what is going on, not just here in the U.S., but internationally as well. I sat in on um, a call the other day where I was listening to attorneys from England, from China, from Germany, and of course here in the U.S., they're all facing the same challenges. How do you how do you deal with your workforce? So focused here on the U.S., what happens if your hourly employees um, are not able to come to work? And a lot of you know, like there's a lot of really great natured employee employers out there, and they do get concerned about making sure that people can pay their bills and stuff like that. So very first thing that you need to do is you need to refer to your state laws as to what you can do and should not do as it pertains to paid leave. Now, <clears throat> the reason why I say that is because we do have a handful of states that have mandatory, mandatory sick leave laws, and we've got other states with mandatory sick leave laws on the books. And as these things have, as these laws have been developed, Nobody really considered, in my opinion, this scenario and how it could financially impact an employer. Because as I understand some of these laws, just because you're having a financial hardship doesn't mean that as an employer you can, you can just like put a hold on it or you're waived and you can't abide by it. You still have to, you still have to uphold the, the letter of the law. So it's going to make it complicated. And if that's the case, if you guys are having challenges financially because you have to adhere to whatever the paid mandatory sick leave laws are and your company is suffering as a result of this, this is where you need to get your employment attorney involved. And if you don't have one, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, 
reach out to me. I will I will help find one for you. I know a couple of good ones across the country. Um, and we'll be able to, to help provide at least some direction for you guys, okay? But this is a this is a pretty big issue, and a lot of businesses I know are already very nervous about this. How do I pay my employees if they can't show up to work? So when it comes to an hourly employee under Fair Labor Standards Act, employees who are hourly or are, non, are classified as non-exempt, specifically non-exempt employees, they're only compensated for the hours that they work. So hopefully they have PTO that is stored up or some form of accrued sick leave and they can utilize that. They can burn that down. But with this whole recommendation of a 14-day quarantine, they may have a certain period of time where they're not getting compensated and unfortunately that is the nature of it. Okay, So it's going to be a hard pill for everybody to swallow unless they have some sort of savings account set up or they can go ahead and deduct from you know, a stash that they have, uh, kind of an under-the-mattress, holy cow, side set-aside fund that's available. But um, you may even want to encourage employees to go ahead and save their PTO for a contingency or an emergency. And because we all know that there are some employees that burn it as soon as they earn it. And um, those are the people you probably want to encourage more than anybody else. All right, so another thing is is that if somebody is <clears throat> suspected of having the coronavirus and they are under imposed 14-day um, quarantine, then you may want to waive requiring a doctor's note for an absence. But you also want to make sure that when they return to work that they are coming back. You do not permit an employee to return to work unless they have been fever and cough and sneeze-free for 24 hours. So if you have somebody who has bronchitis, and we all know bronchitis takes a long time to get over. I had it for three months, and every time I had it, I was still coughing for several weeks. I had I had a back-to-back flare-up. I got the initial virus, and then I had a secondary, and then I had a third. And over the course of four months, it took me to get rid of that. So you may have to go ahead and permit people to take a personal leave if they don't qualify for FMLA. And if they do qualify for FMLA, then yes, they will have to go ahead and seek uh, assistance from a physician to fill out the paperwork. So there's a lot of things to consider. So if, you, if your company has to abide by FMLA laws, then you know what? It's job protection, but it certainly doesn't require the employee to be paid while they are out on FMLA uh, per leave unless there's something specific that your state laws require. So you really have to dig into the legalities of it and the details surrounding what laws protect employees and what laws protect employers. Now it's not uncommon that anytime I give this type of guidance I get this feedback. Well this is ridiculous. <laughs> That's usually the first thing and it's only coming from a place of frustration and, and I certainly recognize that and I would never hold I would never judge anybody poorly for something like that. But the thing is, especially when it comes to like paid sick leave and having to adhere and abide by specific laws, it makes things very challenging in business. And so this is what I, this is my return comment to this. <clears throat> if your state is a state that is currently considering mandatory paid leave laws, or if you are in a state that has mandatory paid leave laws, 
my recommendation is that you call your congressman and you set up a meeting and you talk about how this is impacting your business and how this is going to continue to impact your business and what the threat is. That is the one thing that I can say to this. I can't unfortunately tell you that you can't abide by it because it's a law and it's in place and you have to follow the letter of the law. But your best bet is to meet with your congressman because that's what these guys are here for. They are here to really understand what the needs of the people are and to sit and have a discussion so that they, when it comes time to review resolutions and introductions to bills like this, because there's a couple of them that are out there, they need to understand this. So when it comes time to vote, they know what the public is saying and what the public is thinking because I don't always feel confident <clears throat> that the agenda of the or the purpose behind the bill that's being introduced is really adequate and I don't always believe that the data even though I've never seen it but there's just certain pieces of language as I've read through multiple pieces of legislation um, that it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make good business sense it doesn't make solid people sense and what I mean by that is taking care of your employees it makes things complicated and so I think some of that is is that you know, not everybody understands what it's like owning a business. Not everybody understands what it's like working in a corporation. Not everybody understands what it's like being a small business with limited means. Um, and I'm speaking specifically to individuals that are lawmakers that have been doing this for a long time. And I'm not here to get political. That's not what this is about. But this is a hard, cold fact. And so if you guys, I, you know, if you have concerns like that, I strongly encourage you to reach out to your uh, congressman, whether congressman or woman, whether you are, you know, part of the party or not, they need to hear, they need to hear your perspective. So in the next segment, I'm going to tell you, I've actually been contracted to give a much deeper and thorough webinar on the coronavirus in the workplace. I've given you some highlights that I'm going to be talking about here in this podcast to help get you off the ground uh, because it is important that you guys start thinking these things through. And in the next segment, I'm going to share with you how you can go ahead and sign up for this webinar through a company called trainhr.com. So in the meantime, if you guys have questions about the coronavirus or what you should do or you need a soundboard or you just need somebody that you can talk to to bounce ideas off of, you guys are more than welcome to reach out to me. I am absolutely here for you. I'm getting more and more questions about this coming to me. I actually just got one a little while ago from a cleaning company who wants to know what are some things that they can talk to about businesses and helping them out with getting themselves set up. The other thing, too, is that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned in this episode is that on the bestpractices.org website, I have created a coronavirus page, and I have been updating it with good, solid advice and information as well as updates and resources. So one of my recommendations is, is definitely go over to the CDC website, and you can find the link as to where you can get these, access to these, Go ahead and download their posters and the information that they are making available so that companies can post this information up and actually provide that uh, constant uh, seed planning in the, in the you know, minds of your employees on how to prevent the spread of coronavirus as best as you can in the workplace. But like I said, if you guys have questions, I'm here. I'm more than happy to talk to you guys, even if it's just a quick question. Don't worry about it. Feel free to go ahead and hit me up and we'll get you the help that you guys need.
So as promised in the last segment, I want to get you information as to where you can attend a webinar that I've been contracted to uh, develop and host and put on. It's actually called uh, the Coronavirus in the Workplace. It is delivered by a company called trainhr.com. And when you use that website, you can go ahead, scroll on down to March 11th, and that's where you can go ahead and sign up for that particular course. And like I said, I'm going to go into some pretty deep, te pretty deep details uh, during that session. Um, also, not too long ago, uh, last month actually, we had in the uh, Next Gen Women in HR group, we had Facebook group, we had a webinar called How to Make the Most of the SHRM Conference. So far, I'll be honest with you, have not heard as to what is going on with the SHRM Conference just yet. There's been some questions that are coming up like, with the coronavirus, again, I still have it. You know what? Everything is really a big fat unknown at this point. So um, it is a very large conference, and I highly doubt that they're going to be making a snap decision because it literally hosts 20,000 people um, from both the U.S. and everywhere internationally. It is the big grand poobah of conferences when it comes to HR. So I think we just have to... You know, just be mindful and stay tuned as to what they are going to do. I'm not sure if they've posted anything up on the website yet about it, but uh, definitely keep your eyes open for that. <clears throat> so um, also on upcoming March 4th, which is tomorrow, actually today, once you guys hear this, um, I'm going to be doing a complimentary webinar in the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group on common expensive mistakes on I-9s. Also on the 18th, We've got a live workshop taking place in Virginia Beach called The Heartbreak of Office Romance. Those tickets are now on sale and they are available. Um, you can find information on the bestpractices.work website on where you can locate and get your tickets. Also, <clears throat> Monday, March 23rd, in the Facebook group, we also have an open Q&A. So that's an opportunity for Anybody who's in HR to just go ahead and start doing an open QA and start sharing, getting into the conversation. And then if you missed the Heartbreak of Office Romance webinar, live workshop in Virginia Beach, we're hosting this also as a webinar again on March 25th. So you can find and, and reserve your spot online at the bestpractices.work website under the events tab and just go down to March 25th and then you can see the link where you can go ahead and sign up. So I'm always interested in what people have as regards to questions in regards to HR, okay? And you can submit your questions on the bestpractices.work website by clicking on the podcast link from the menu. And down towards the bottom of that podcast page is a submission form for you to go ahead and post your question, which I may go ahead and read and answer on an upcoming episode. As a matter of fact, I've had questions that have come through that, believe it or not, have one is actually turned into a podcast episode that's coming up. So I'm really excited about talking to you guys about that one. <clears throat> so this question from today actually comes from the perspective of an employee and this is some of the silliness that exists out there and you guys know I'm a huge proponent on background checks and here's the reason why. So I'm not answering this for the employee but I want to bring this forward so you can see what people are actually doing and what kinds of questions people are asking out in the market. So this one was, I voluntarily lied on my resume, flag number one, that I'm currently employed, flag number two. <laughs> I've, reviewed, I've interviewed and received a job offer 
And now I have to do a background check. I'm unable to provide current employment proof. Are my only choices are to confess that I lied or decline the offer. So here's a really great reason why you want to do a background check. Because if somebody in this case has lied on their resume and now that they know that they're going to have to go through a background check and that could be verifying and if you're not verifying uh, prior employment, if you're not verifying any type of references that they provide, this person will slip right on through and you'll have to really, really, really be tasked and challenged. There's only been one instance in my life, in my career that I have heard of somebody lying on their resume and literally doing the job and becoming a superstar. I have never heard of anybody else and, and I've been doing this a long time, but this actually was a friend of mine. It was his cousin and he uh, worked in sound and post-production out in, in Los Angeles and actually, this guy is super smart. And so every time he said, yeah, I can do that, he'd get the job. But you know what he did? He figured it out and he learned how to do it. And nobody knew the difference. Every employer loved him because he was so good at it. So that is the exception to the rule. That is not the norm here. Okay. When you have somebody that's lying on their resume and that they're currently employed, they've interviewed, you've uh, you know given them the job offer, and now they're coming back and saying that, they may not be able to take the job. They may not tell you that they're lying, but you know what? The background check is a deterrent from these types of situations. It is the best deterrent from this type of situation. It's also the best deterrent and risk mitigator for negligent hire and negligent retention. Well, negligent retention is a little bit different, but nonetheless, negligent hire. So, um, yeah. Another really great example as to why you want to put together a background check. And you know what? You may like the person a lot. And you may just like, well, I'll risk it by not doing background checks. Or they're expensive. But you know what? This is the kind of person that costs you a lot of money. It costs you, they cost you money and labor that it takes to manage this individual unnecessarily because you didn't do your homework it costs money because this could be a person that actually botches up a job and now there's production costs associated with it of some kind. This is an individual to where you could lose other really great employees that help you move your business forward because this person is here and you don't know or haven't done anything about it. All right? And all of these examples that I just gave you are very common. And these are all ways that Man, when you put forth that, that money and effort to make a really strong business, unfortunately, these things do come up. So get and start doing background checks. Now, we do have a company that we have listed on our affiliates program called Contingency Group, and they do pre-employment screening and background checks. You guys are welcome to go ahead and reach out to them. They will be more than happy to help you out. But I strongly recommend that you, if you haven't started doing it, that you start doing it because I would much rather invest in the money to make sure that I'm hiring the person who they say they are versus having to spend more money than necessary to uh, deal with them or even, you know, separate them from the organization. So over the past several weeks, you guys have heard me talk about the Next Gen Women in HR community. And you know what? Today, I'm just going to speak from the heart. 
no script whatsoever. And I know some of you know that I have some script and no script. If you've been listening to the show often enough, you know that I say things, you know, that are pretty similar from one episode to the next, but that's okay. So I want to tell you the story about how I got into this. <clears throat> so, you know, I started this, I started my consulting practice. I was, I was in HR consulting for five years with ADP and I absolutely loved it. It was, it was my favorite job I have ever had. It really was. It was my ideal job. The downside to it was the fact that I wasn't, I, I wasn't progressing along with the types of situations and to the level that I really wanted to play at. And I wanted to play at a much higher level. And everybody that, you know, we worked with was small business and that was great. And I enjoyed that part. But there was opportunity out, for, out in the world for me to learn and grow. Went out and did it, sat in the seat uh, as a HR, you know, professional and executive for a couple of years. And then decided that, you know what, I want to go back to doing what I love. And that's helping people and small businesses, administrators, business operators, HR folks figure out their people problems. And that's, and I love doing it. But I realized towards the back end of last year that on a regular basis, and I mean like almost once or twice a week, if not three times, I would have people come up to me as I would network and say, I know absolutely nothing about HR. I don't know what I'm doing and I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake. And this ranged from people like business owners all the way to admins. And it really hit me that I didn't have anything out there for these folks and they're constantly coming to me for help. So I went ahead and did a speaking engagement in New York City in November at the uh, Stevie Awards, um, next, excuse me, not Next Gen Women, it is the uh, Women's Future Conference, and met amazing, amazing influencers. And I got hooked and connected with some pretty great information, some pretty amazing women. Matter of fact, I have an advisory board for my business and like people that I can talk to. All four of them are women, all four of them are in Australia. <laughs> So um, that's where they are. What can I say? But, you know, I, I spent a lot of time really realizing how I could help and address people who are trying to figure out how to do the HR job. It's a slow moving role, meaning that to learn everything in HR, it takes time. It takes experiences. It takes making mistakes. It takes double checking information. It, you know, there's so much to it. And I don't really hone in on one specific thing. I kind of bounce all over because if anybody who works in a small company, which a lot of the people that I work with are small business and 49% of businesses in the US are small, only 51% are in the larger range. So that means that you're listening. You're either a manager um, in general or you're an HR person or wanting to become an HR person, but more than likely you're sitting in a seat with narrow resources, uh, you know, fewer staff, or you're just an HR person of one, or what you do is partial, right? And you're probably a woman. <laughs> There's a lot of people that listen to the show of both genders, but HR is a very feminine driven industry. I'm not really quite sure why, to be honest with you, but it is. And, and I work with men too, as it regards to HR stuff, but I digress. So I created, I thought there's got to be something out there. There's got to be a place where people can go. There's got to be a place where people, where women can come and not feel that pressure of that isolation. Or they come and they can get answers. And you know what? 
and they, it doesn't have to be people who are just figuring out how to do this. It could be people of all levels, people who have been doing this for five, six, seven years, and they've been an HR person of one for a long time, and they've never had the luxury. And I mean, it is a luxury, and it is, and I loved it when I had a team of people that I could actually talk to as it pertains to my HR issues. I miss having a soundboard. And I love being somebody's soundboard. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps things fresh in perspective. And I learn things about different companies and different industries. And to me, it's just fascinating. So I started these two groups. The first group is an actual membership page. And this is a place where anybody can go in. You, you really, you only pay, honestly, you pay less than three cups of coffee a month to actually participate in this and it's a place where there's tools checklists and none of this is related to any of the Sherm stuff some of these things I've put together other things I've had for a while and it's a it's a growing website of resources but depending upon your level if you're coming in and I wanted to make this thing affordable for people because it is likely that the individual is the one who wants to who wants to pay for this not the company and if you get your company to pay for it fantastic but really it's an easy sell because if you come in and if you're a beginner in HR and you just want to know some of the basics you are only paying nine dollars a month and that's it when I say less than three cups of coffee a week I'm not kidding nine dollars a month and if you're a professional you're coming in and you pay only $15 a month and you get some additional information. You get legal case studies, you get access to a lot of the notes that I um, that I take when I'm traveling and I go to webinars and sessions and you know the learning that I rely on I pass down to you guys and it's full of all sorts of different information. It's got great news articles, a lot of the things that I talk about here I literally get anywhere between 40 to 50 HR related articles delivered to me and I host those articles in this website. So it's an opportunity for you guys to come in and gain access. It's a level of exclusivity just for the people who really want to invest in developing their HR skill set. Also, it adds a level of protection as well because it's exclusive. And so we actually do have a Q&A forum. Um, again, this only started in January. So here we are literally two months into this and we have a nice small complement of members and there's other fun stuff that's there as well so it's a place to come in ask sensitive questions get real answers um, and I would love to see this continue to build and grow and I'm highly highly committed to it the other group is the uh, Facebook group over on HR and this is the next gen women in HR Facebook group. Now this is complimentary. It's also on the on the surface level where I do small webinars, get out information and little tips and tricks. It's not going to be nearly as in-depth, but I can tell you right now that if you invest your time in both of these things, I'm literally talking every day. <laughs> and if if you talk to anybody who knows me really well, they will tell you it's hard to shut me up. But I am literally talking something HR every day between the two groups. And that's a lot of information. It's a ton of information. And it's experience. It's my experiences. And I have seen a lot of wild and crazy things, right? And it also gives the opportunity to, for people to ask questions and get involved. This is also something that is brand new as well. I mean, literally, it's only two months old. And we're now up to, what, 103 members, which is phenomenal in just a very short period of time. So the doors are open and I welcome you guys to come in. 
Um, this is something that, you know, I am highly committed to. I would really love to see people be successful because of the information that they have access to. Um, you know, you guys are welcome to ask questions. You can hit me up on any of the social media. You can, I send out information that helps people see what changes are taking place in the membership site, as well as what resources are available over on, uh, in the Facebook group. And you know what? It's only going to grow and it's only going to get bigger and it's only going to get better. So we do case studies the first Monday of every month. And unfortunately, this past month, I just past weekend, I dislocated my elbow. So I did one that I don't think is the best, but I'm going to repeat it just because I love these guys so much. Um, you know, tw less than 24 hours later after you dislocate your, sh your elbow, kind of, <laughs> you're not in the best mind frame, <laughs> but you know, we'll go ahead and make, make it right. The second Monday of every month, we talk about branding yourself as a professional. The third Monday of every month, we talk about networking. And then the last Monday of every month, we actually talk about how you care for yourself. Like what are some things that you can do? And, and because you have to take care of yourself, you have to pay attention to you because if you don't, you're not going to be able to take care of everything else that you have to take care of. I mean, like I said, this is a feminine driven industry. You've got family that you have to take care of. You've got, you know, your spouse, you've got your personal relationships, and then you've got the strong demands of what happens in work. And very often, most people don't take time out of their week to at least dedicate at least 30 minutes to themselves. If you give yourself 30 minutes of a break once a week, just for you, and you're not in the car thinking about stuff, you're only focusing in on yourself, you're going to quickly realize that it's much, much needed and very much appreciated. So that is that. And I just wanted to speak from the heart on this one because I really do care about the people in this group. I have had the privilege of speaking to several of them, and they're phenomenal individuals. And I care a great deal, and I just can't wait to see uh, their levels of success. So... Here's how you find this information. If you go to the bestpractices.org website, click on Next Generation or Next Gen Women in HR. That's where you'll see the landing page where you can choose which program that you want to jump into. Then go over to Facebook and type in and search for Next Gen Women in HR. And that's where you're going to find the Facebook group over there. Go ahead and join. We do have questions that we ask. So I have been doing some research and I have discovered that there are HR groups out there that are promoting that they are part of SHRM and guess what? They're not part of SHRM, which is the Society of Human Resource Management. And I'm watching people ask sensitive questions in a non-moderated environment and that is very risky. That information belongs to Facebook now and it also belongs to the owners of that particular group. But most importantly, it belongs to Facebook. So if you're talking about something, and I have seen people make statements about they're firing this employee, they're going to do this for this employee, and you don't know who's in there watching and listening. Okay, In this group, if somebody is talking about something that they shouldn't, this is a moderated group in the Next Gen Women in HR uh, area. I'm not the only one moderating it. I actually do have a couple other individuals that pay attention, and if there's something that goes left or right that I don't catch, they're going to let me know about it. And the, that is there to make sure that the integrity of what it is that we're trying to achieve is there. But this is also a group where we don't coddle and we give very, very good, strong, direct feedback. It's done nicely, but it's direct. So 
you know, anything that you're doing at any point in time, make sure that you're posting safely because you guys have heard me say it before. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Okay. So, but you should join the group. <laughs> just saying. So you guys can follow me. So you can, that's where you can find those two groups. You guys can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at best practices in HR. You can also follow me again over on Instagram as Brenda the HR lady. Um, you can hit me up on YouTube and LinkedIn by just typing in my name, Brenda Neckmodel, N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke, V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. And finally, yet lastly and again, you can hit me up on bestpractices.work website. Click the connect at the top of the page and get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. So guys, thank you again for your flexibility. Um, I, I apologize Michael wasn't on the show, but you know what? This show is a real-time show, and so we bring subject matter forward that is real-time as it, uh, it you know, is going on in, in the real world. So the coronavirus is very much that, and I didn't want to wait uh, another week to actually produce a second show for that. So, um, so we're bringing it forward because it is here in the U.S., it is going to continue to spread. People are going to be carriers. And all you need to do is just get the right information to be able to make the right decisions and put yourself in the right spot. So, guys, have a wonderful day. And I will see you on the next episode. Have a good one.